my dear friend who made a phone call, who actually called to check up on me yesterday. I owe him a phone call. He called to check up on me. Called to check not, up on Not me. often that he calls to check up on me anymore. He used to call to check up on me, but he yesterday he called to check up on Hugh me. Hugh disappears in, for, in my world for about six months out of the year, and then I get to talk to him for Here's six months out of the year. our dear friend, Hugh Bree Love Millen. How are you, Hugh? Good morning, Mitch Dick. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm assuming you were on all the shows yesterday. I did not hear, so I, 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 wanted, I want you to know right off the bat, I go in this blind. This is not like syndication yeah. for me. He was on Softies. Okay. So this is not Softies. a repeat for me. I'm, I'm hearing it for the first. This is like I was able to stay away. <laughs> I was able to stay away from the score of the game that I DVR'd, and now I'm sitting down to watch it, and everybody yeah. else knows the result except for me. Everybody else knows how Hugh Millen feels about this except for me. <laughs> Hugh, this shouldn't come to a surprise because Mitch is good at staying away from the radio show the rest of the day that's you know that, <laughs> this wasn't why why the that's shot 745 that's not nice that's not very nice so how does he know he knows what all the personalities on the other show uh on the other station that what they know though no i don't <laughs> no he doesn't i either. don't know anything i don't know anything you know mitch it's interesting um you know the discussion you're having with dick there there seemed to be an inference. Um, let's say that uh, on a scale of one to ten, let's say that uh, even the, the the greatest team you could reasonably conceive of, not all units could be a ten. So let's say let's say that an aggregate eight is is a really dominant team capable of blowing somebody out in the Super Bowl. Oh, score of like maybe forty three to eight. And let, let's say that on a, a scale of one to ten, that team is an eight, not a ten, because not all units can be a ten. Right. It, it the the way you said that, it, it seemed to infer that that you have to have balance. That that it's better to have all units as close to or, or you know to an eight as possible, whereas if you know, some units are a ten, and some units are a six. That 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 would actually be counterproductive. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I know you're, what you're, you're saying, saying, and I think I I think generally speaking in sports that I feel that way. I feel like uh, I'd rather have some really good balance across the board than have a very bad unit and a very an excellent uh, an excellent group yeah. of units. Yeah, yeah, and, and you may be right, but I'm not I'm not certain you're right. You know, I think it's possible that you could you could be so dominant in in a couple areas that that even if you're um, meek and other, you know, when they won the Super Bowl two years ago, uh, I thought their offensive line was you know below average. Uh, their receiving group was below average, but they, you know, they were so dominant in the secondary and and really in their whole defense. Uh, you know, they were able to. To, to make up for that, and and uh, you know the offensive line, I agree with you. It's it's hard to imagine that the the center play is going to be as good or better next year. Although when you consider all the injuries, and you, you take the if you were to just somehow sign an aggregate number for the quality of the center play a year ago with with the injuries, you know it might be it might be possible to get closer than you think next year. At the center play, well, well, meanwhile, and I'm just making the argument for this. We we don't know what's going to go on. I mean, two years ago, or uh, when we acquired Percy Harvin, yeah, you know, we we were trying to see it positive. That's because you know, and 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 Dion Branch and what have you. So we don't know what's going to happen. But but I think when you say okay, make the argument for this, the difference between the center play that you would have 
with or without Max Unger, the delta, if you will, that could be much less than what you're getting at the tight end position. It's hard to imagine without Jimmy Graham what you're getting at the tight end position being anywhere near what you have now with him. Right. Where, Especially so, so I, I think you could have a bigger gap in the quality sure. of the tight end than, than the loss you get at center. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that, especially when you consider we really don't know what, who the next center is yet. And, that, and that's why I'm a little yeah. reluctant. I'm a, really, a little reluctant to, as I said earlier on the program, is to come in here and pound my fist one way or the other. He calls them models. John Schneider says, I got models on my desk. If this happens, then I'll do that, that, and that. If this happens, I'll do that, that, and that. We don't know whether John Schneider has already worked out the framework of another trade, a minor trade involving a center. We don't know whether he's got his eye on a guy that's going to get cut because of salary cap restrictions and he's going to go get that center. We we don't know what he has up his sleeve for center yet. So when you consider that, I would I'd piggyback that onto your remark about the center position. We don't even know who the center is next year. We don't, and, and, and I think that in September we can evaluate this trade, uh, obviously in a lot better position. But, you know, I, I think another point worth making, um, I'll use Joe Montana, my favorite athlete of all time. Joe Montana, obviously um, – you know, a great, great player, but if you take all attributes of quarterbacking, he wasn't great in all attributes of quarterbacking. He couldn't throw a comeback very well or a, a, a wide side out route. The, the same thing would go with Schneider. It would be, it would be highly coincidental uh, if John Schneider were equally as good targeting all positions. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the record shows that he's better targeting defensive players than offensive players. And um, particularly, I, I, I think early on you'd say particularly space players, linebackers and, and, and defensive backs, but he, he's had a lot of good hits at defensive end, you know, namely Averill and Michael Bennett. So his batting average on defense is higher than his batting average is on offense. And, and, and we want to break that down further, the targets, you know, the for example – you know, they spent three picks at wide receiver all in the fourth round. Well, they've got some second-rounders, too. But the fourth-round picks at wide receiver have yet to pan out. And, you know, Sidney Rice and what have you. And, and, and so I would say the uh, the assessment of targets, mm-hmm. he probably doesn't have quite a high a batting average. His batting average is so ridiculously high on the defensive side. Uh, it's not really a knock on him. It, you know, he's just kind of more – closer to the mean in terms of his offensive assessment. So on some level, you could say, okay, instead of allowing John Schneider to try and find a gem somewhere in the fourth round where where he's proven thus far not to be quite as good as he is finding gems on the defensive side of the ball, why not just let him go after a superstar? You know, this is just a, you know, unequivocal. I mean, I I can't imagine anybody. You you could quibble about the, 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 the cost associated with acquiring Jimmy Graham and what you had to give up. But there's not many people who are going to make an argument that Jimmy Graham isn't an elite tight end, and you got one. So maybe maybe on that level, considering Schneider's strengths and weaknesses, it was a good move. The voice of uh, Hugh Millen uh, joining us on the program, obviously always outspoken about the Seahawks, always with an opinion. And I want you, before you finish with us and leave us, to just kind of give us a general sense of what the Seahawks' offense is going to look like 
with now the presence of Jimmy Graham and splitting them out and what does that do for the current wide receiving crop if they don't add to that and all that stuff. But I want to ask you a question in the meantime, and that is the Tom Cable. What I The Tom Cable question. What I said uh, at 6 o'clock this morning is this screams to me uh, a commentary that the Seahawks, uh, on the Seahawks' views of Max Unger, where Max Unger was in his career. And what I said earlier, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, is that if the Seahawks, if John Schneider, Pete Carroll, and Tom Cable believe that Max Unger is going to return to his Pro Bowl slash All-Pro form, and they think that these injuries are just kind of unlucky and unfortunate and he's better now and there's no reason to believe that in this coming year he's not going to play 16 games and be the level of one of the best centers in the National Football League. If they felt that way about him, I got a hard time believing they would have traded that player and a first-round draft choice for Jimmy Graham, no matter how good Jimmy Graham is, because that's not the Seattle Seahawks' M.O. Do you agree or disagree that this is kind of an editorial on where they feel Max was in his career? I think you're probably right, Mitch. I think logically there's room that for uh, uh, Tom Cable to believe, okay, I've got a great center who's going to be healthy and what have you, but he still can't offer the uh, the overall impact on the football team that an elite red zone tight end can. I, th- I think there's room for that logic, but I tend to agree with that point. Okay. Um, now, let's, let's segue to what I think Seahawks fans would most be interested in. Hugh Millen breaking down what Jimmy Graham brings to the table and how it looks when you close your eyes and you visualize Graham – and Russell Wilson, and Marshawn Lynch, and the the set of wide receivers that they currently have. Yeah, give me kind of a snapshot on what it what it looks like to you. Well, I think first of all, it was hard for me not to think of the the last play of the Super Bowl, and this this is a result when you get a, a matchup one on one, and uh, you need some size, and and you had some size, but you just didn't make the play. Um, they already had some issues, of course, going into the Super Bowl with their red zone production, and maybe that cemented it. But, but uh, I'm not asserting that they would make a trade just based on one play, but, but uh, that did hang over them, that, that that's what cost them the Super Bowl, the inability to, to make a play down in the red zone when you had a favorable pass matchup. So, so I think in, in a six foot seven Graham, he is extremely versatile, Remember now, he was making the appeal to the league that he was actually a wide receiver uh, a year right. ago when he right. was trying to get his contract declared right. because he'd get paid more if he was he was uh, declared a wide receiver. And, and as it turned out, he was lining up as a tight end 33% of the time, in the slot 45% of the time, and then split out wide 22% of the time. Uh, now, he didn't win that, that uh, arbitration in, in that matter, but I think it does underscore the matchup problems that he has. I played with Shannon Sharp down in Denver, and Shannon, to date, I believe, is still the uh, all-time leader in tight end receptions, and the way they used him um, wasn't necessarily as as the tight end, and and a year there, his ankles were kind of banged up. He couldn't block real well, but he was still a matchup problem, and so I think for one, one thing... 
we're, we're going to hear a lot about his blocking prowess and whether or not he's a good blocker. And, and as you know, Michael Bennett weighed in on that a couple of years ago. But, but um, I look at it and say you can have a personnel grouping that if you have a, a tight end who's capable blocker, you can have what's called 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, and then two receivers. You could have the blocking tight end uh, over there adjacent to Justin Smith or uh, or Justin Britt, sorry, Justin Britt or Russell Okung, and that blocking tight end could help on the wide zone where you really need a good blocking tight end, and those are easier to come by, by the way, in terms of uh, resources expend to acquire them. And then you could have... Uh, Jimmy Graham in the slot or split out wide on either side of that blocking tight end, and you just call him kind of a hybrid. If you want to think of him as a receiver, then now that would be like having 11 personnel with one running back, one tight end, and three receivers, which, by the way, is the most common personnel grouping in all the NFL when you when you consider all of them run or pass. Right. And so they're in a good position if they want to play that, that that 11 personnel with him, um, which is really 12 personnel because he's a tight end. You got me? So, yeah, I got so, you. Yeah. So, so he'll create matchup problems because of, uh, because of his size. And, you know, the way Shannon Sharp was – Shannon Sharp strictly was too athletic to be covered by linebackers, and he was too strong to be covered by defensive backs. And that, 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 that's the simple part of it. And you can have that with Graham. Mm-hmm. You know, he just you put a good DB on him, he's just going to be too strong, and and you put a linebacker on him, he's going to be too athletic. Some speculate, so some speculated and, and thought yesterday that what you lose from Jimmy Graham in his either desire or ability to block in the running game, in the net net world, you actually gain because if you split him out and he takes a linebacker with him, or he takes a safety, somebody who would have been in the box. He's actually helping out the ground game maybe more in that regard than he's hurting the ground game being a reluctant blocker. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think it depends on, on the, uh, the, uh, the scheme of the defense. I mean, if, if you split him out in the slot, you can still, if you, defensively, you can put a, a defensive back over him, and then you can still maintain an extra number in the box to stop the running game. But you know that gets right back to what I just said that 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 defensive back there better be pretty strong because at six five and two sixty five he's got that ability i mean that's that's like a power forward posting up mm-hmm. you know a two guard you know it's gonna it's going to be an advantage uh, at least on that matchup so so I, I and I think the other part of it is you know Russell Wilson hasn't had that big target looming over the middle and and that region over the middle we've talked Mitch for for uh, a few years now that Seattle has been underperforming in that region of the field, the short middle. Yeah. And, and for Russell Wilson, let's, let's face it, his, his, his height's going to be an issue on some of those plays. And, and now at six foot seven, just the sight lines and the ability to throw it high with a guy that, you know, can do a three sixty dunk over the goalpost, you know, the ability to look high and throw high over the middle, they should be able to exploit some matchups. And, and I, you know, I think one last point is, is it, I've really marveled at the Patriots, how they have been so effective with a tight end-centered pass offense. Mm-hmm. Here you got Brady, you know, who I now think is the greatest quarterback of all time. Of course, that's subject for debate. 
but I think what's not subject for debate is that their 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 receivers are, are pedestrian as well, and yet their tight end is elite, and and they just they just move right on down the field, and and they got a, a tight end who's just anchoring the entire pass offense. I got and twenty. When they had Hernandez, they had two, but but even just with Gronkowski, uh, it's amazing to me how much he Gronkowski controls the entire pass offense and i think you have the ability to do that with graham as well i'm already over time but i want to ask you one give me a 20 second answer to the following question which is what does he do if anything for the wide receiving crew of the seahawks it's looking more and more like the free agency is drying up uh they don't have a first round pick to use on a wide receiver so presumably at this point we're looking at any new wide receivers being kind of middle round selections in the draft and not free agent wide receivers if they go to the gate, Hugh, with this same crew of Curse and Baldwin and Matthews and you know Richardson's on the PUP and the guys, the guys that were uh, were forgetting the kid out of Alabama, uh, Norwood, uh, what is it that Jimmy Graham does to help them, if anything? Well, first of all, it makes the primary target on on third down. Uh, be, be, be the tight end in the red zone as well, and then, and then out in the field, and, and without those circumstances, you have man to man. Where if there's going to be any bracket coverages, meaning they're going to double anybody, it's going to be Jimmy Graham. You're going to have to double, and then the other guys are more likely to get the single coverage. And then lastly, in zone coverage, they'll squeeze to Jimmy Graham to try and keep the windows tighter with Jimmy Graham, which opens and widens the windows for the wide receivers. Got it. Thank you, Hugh. Okay. Good, good to visit with you. Okay, guys. You're getting a call later today. Okay, I'll, I'll look forward to it. All right, thank you. There's Hugh Breedlove Millen on, uh, on the trade and what Jimmy Graham specifically brings to the table.